Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We thank you, Lord, for your Word this morning. Father, that we would not just grow in knowledge, but we would grow in wisdom. Father, that we would grow spiritually, Lord, that you would change our hearts and our minds, that you would renew us and wash away anything that the world has placed in there, Lord, that doesn't belong to you, Father. So we thank you for your word. I pray that you use me as an instrument in your hand to deliver exactly what you want to deliver today. And as your word is being preached, that the Holy Spirit would fall upon those that hear it in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to talk about wisdom, wise guys, right? We think we're wise. You know, I've had experiences over the last six or eight months with a few people that considered themselves really, really wise. And uh, what I noticed was that they knew a lot more scripture than I did. They knew a lot more. They could quote the Old Testament. They could tell you that the end of times is like a week away, you know, they could tell you that certain rivers are drying up and that there were certain things that were lining up in the stars and there were certain, and they could quote this and quote that and, and they could tell you, and, and some of the things I was like, wow, man, how do they know all that stuff? And then what I noticed was that a lot of these people, nobody's here, by the way, and a lot of these people, uh, the other half of their life was a mess. They were addicted to drugs. Their marriage was falling apart. They were, you know, uh, just uh, going through things in their life. They were financially struggling. They just things were a mess in their life. And I'm like, how can they know all this stuff and quote all these scriptures and know all this Bible that I don't know and have their life like this? Because they gathered knowledge and not wisdom. So as I was figuring out what was going on and why, and I was noticing the difference between the two, the Lord said, let's, let's go ahead and minister this at this point in time. And then uh, next week, we're going to uh, go right into ministering some holiday messages. One of them will not seem like a holiday message. Uh, you know, if I went around the room and I asked you, give me a, uh, your favorite Christmas movie, what would you say? What's your, your favorite Christmas movie? Huh? Who said die hard? You took it from me. Oh, oh my brother-in-law. I mean my brother-in-law. My son-in-law, of course, right? He took it from me. Right? That's my favorite Christmas movie. And people say, that's not a Christmas movie at all. Right? That's not a Christmas movie at all. <laughs> right? But what, it, you know, we went around the room and you find these things. Oh, what's, what's your favorite, you know? And we, we realize that what we're doing is we're just picking out things that make us feel good instead of trying to learn something that's going to make us wiser. So knowledge and wisdom do go together, but knowledge by itself will deteriorate everything in your life because you exalt yourself and you don't exalt God. Yeah. Okay? So wisdom. Definitions. Let's do the Oxford definition, which is the more worldly uh, definition. Um, this one is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The quality of being wise. Duh. Some of the times you read these things, it's like wisdom, the quality of being wise. Well, I could have wrote that. I didn't even graduate from Oxford. The soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. He's getting really close there. I really like that one. Now, Webster's, you know, uh, Webster is a, is, a, is a Christian, right? He wrote other things, not just the, the, uh, uh, the 
the definitions of different things, but the Webster's Unabridged Dictionary defines wisdom as knowledge and the capacity knowledge and the capacity to make due use of it. And then he adds this in little letters: the fact that Solomon asked for not just knowledge but insight on how to apply the knowledge effectively. He was granted things like riches, wealth, and honor. So he didn't just ask for knowledge. He was a very knowledgeable man. He asked God for wisdom. He, had, he knew enough to know that the knowledge was not enough. <laughs> right? But sometimes we have people that we call sabelo todo. The know-it-alls. Right? And no matter what you say, they know. They know it, they know it. They know. How many of you know anybody like that? Don't look at the person sitting next to you. So, <laughs> wives, don't look at your husbands. We're right most, most of the time. And even when we're wrong, we do it on purpose to make you feel, to make you feel better. <laughs> I'm going I'm to go back to wisdom. I'm going to go back to wisdom. So to apply the knowledge, does that sound familiar to anybody, right? Sounds like being a doer and not just a hearer. Can that fit in what I'm saying there? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 12. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among, among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Now, when this was written, it was for right for this age right now. It was written for that age, for every age in between there and now, right? You ever seen, there used to be a restaurant on, uh, uh, in Sanford on the side that said, free beer tomorrow. You ever seen that, right? I'm sorry, I hope I didn't offend anybody. But you would go there tomorrow and then it was free beer tomorrow. So basically, I'm trying to get you to understand what he's trying to say here. Maybe not the best analogy, but uh, you know, he's saying free beer tomorrow. So <laughs> uh, for the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So this means tomorrow it'll be this age. A hundred years from now, it'll be this age, right? So he's talking about right now. So uh, no, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that means that you can't gather that with knowledge. It's a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory for our glory before time began. Now, none of the rulers of this age understood it. <laughs> they couldn't put knowledge to it. For they uh, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. The things God has prepared for those who love him. Thank you, Lord. These are the things God has revealed to us by his, help me out here, spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God, remember last week, that lives inside of us. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Do you notice how the writer here goes from talking about gathering wisdom, not wisdom of the world, but wisdom of God, to how do you do that? And then all of a sudden, the, the other scriptures are all about the Spirit of God. It's because they operate together. You cannot gather the wisdom of God without the Spirit of God. You can't do it. Because uh, wisdom is not something that you can gather or do yourself. It's something that is given. And you'll see that in just a moment. So wisdom is given to the mature, not to the intelligent. Wisdom is given to the mature, not to the educated. Wisdom is given to the mature, not to the knowledgeable. Wisdom is given to the mature. Maturity, how many of you know, I know some very mature people that are not very smart. Book smart, right? 
Sometimes, we, you know, we used to say street smart sometimes is a little better than book smart, right? Because you get through life, right? <laughs> you get through life uh, uh, sometimes and, and you, you don't have as much trouble. I, I was going to use the word nerdy, but I'm not going to. <laughs> wisdom is given to the mature, not to the in intelligent. It is not how much you know that gives you wisdom. It is how much you live and experience God's word that gives you wisdom. God is revealed to us through his spirit. And the more he reveals himself to us, the wiser we get. This revelation comes through our relationship with him. So the deeper the relationship, the deeper the revelation, the wiser we become. It's all about relationship. The minute that you separate God from your knowledge, you be, you want, you're trying to become like God. You're trying to become God. Like you know so much. I know, I know, I know. Somebody said something to me the other day. They said that, they, oh, uh, I know what the end time religion is going to be when you know, everybody believes the same thing. And he said it was going to be science. And, and at first, I had never heard that before. And at first I was kind of like, <laughs> you know, and then I started thinking about it, and I was like, yes, these are the things that raise themselves up against God. Yet, he was trying to explain to me how science was going to be godly. It can't, because science is determined by man's intelligence. And it's great. We gather intelligence. We learn technology nowadays. It's like, wow. But you know, God was doing these things way before. You know, we, oh, we came up with, with photographs. We have pictures now. Do you know that the communion table is a picture? Do this in remembrance of me. And it wasn't just something that you hung on a wall or had on your phone. It was something that you ingested. It was something that you participated in. Isn't that a better memory than just looking at a picture? Than to participate in something? And to be, have that something become part of you? <laughs> the deeper the relationship, the deeper the revelation. See, we've all been given a measure of wisdom. Because it's given, right? The same way we've been given a measure of faith. And then what do we do with that faith? We build the faith by feeding it the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Spiritual wisdom is given, not gathered. Yes. It's given, not gathered. Before I read the scripture, I'm going to read a scripture out of Colossians. Um, I want to read from a, a book that I have the set of them. There's four of them. It's uh, Meyer Perlman, and it's a series of books called Through the Bible, Book by Book. I recommend it. Uh, we had a class here we were doing with the college-age uh, 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 people that uh, was called through the Bible book by book, and basically what this does, I love these these series. There's four of them. You can probably they're hard to find, but you can probably find them on Amazon if you're interested. And uh, you have two books, two little they're little books like that. You find two for the Old Testament, two for the New Testament. And what it does is it'll give you the theme for the book. So you'll go like here. I'm going to read from the theme of uh, Colossians. It'll tell you who wrote it, why they wrote it, what was going on during the time. It'll tell you the theme. It'll break down the book into chapters or, or verses and say, these first three chapters, what he's talking about is this theme. And it gives you just a little paragraph, not a lot of information, but enough so that when you go back to the book to read it, you read it, and all of a sudden it begins to come alive. Because we read from our experiences. We live in this world, we drive cars, we live in homes, right? We have, we, we, we're cushy, we're a little bit spoiled, a lot of bit spoiled. So we lit, and we read things according to our environment, according to how we see things in our own environment. But that's not how this was written. This was written from a different environment. Like in Philippians, when he says rejoice, I say, Philippians 4, I say rejoice. And you think, oh, wow, you know, Paul's writing to Philippians. He's telling them to read. Paul's in a prison, in a Roman prison. And he says, don't think that this is bad. I've been put here by God so that I can preach the gospel to every Roman guard that they keep changing. Yes. Every eight hours, I get a new guy I can preach the gospel to while he's in chains, he says. While I'm in chains, don't worry about me. I'm preaching the gospel to everybody in this place. 
I'm saving the whole prison. What a perspective. But if you just read it, rejoice. I could rejoice, right? Because of our circumstances. But can you rejoice in the circumstance that Paul was in? So here it is. Uh, I, I encourage you to get those books if you're one of those that likes to study. The occasion for the, this is for the book of Colossians. The occasion for the writing of the epistle to the Colossians was the introduction of erroneous teaching in the church. Many of the epistles were for that, uh, for different uh, uh, wrong teachings that were going on. This is Colossians. Uh, Galatians was because the Jewish people came in and said, no, you can't just be saved. You have to get circumcised. You have to do the works. You have to do, and they try to mix works with grace and it didn't it, and Paul wrote to the Galatians and said no that's not how that works you have two gospels and one of them is not the gospel at all you can read through that book and see that but the Colossians he's correcting something completely different and, th and that's why it, it talks about them becoming wise in their own mind it seems that it had appeared in their midst a teacher who was propagating a doctrinal system that was a mixture of Jewish legalism and pagan philosophy. It was the pagan element in the system that constituted the greatest danger for the faith of the church, known today as Gnosticism. That's where you get agnostic. Where you today as Gnosticism, the Gnostics prided themselves on their uh, possession of wisdom that was far deeper than that revealed in the sacred scriptures. Oh my God, they were a mess. Their wisdom was far deeper than revealed in the sacred scriptures. We can just throw this out. I'm smarter than this. Woo, were they in trouble? The wisdom that was the property of a favored few. That's a big one too. Oh, we're the only ones that have this. Run! Gnostic comes from a Greek word meaning knowledge. So basically agnostic just means I really don't know. Agnostic means I don't know if there's a God, I don't know if there isn't a God, I don't know if I'm atheist, I don't know. Agnostic means I don't know. So knowledge, I don't know, right? They believed that uh, matter was inherently evil, therefore a holy God could not have created it. That's why you have to throw away the Bible, because he is God, creator of heaven and earth, right? And they couldn't say that unless they could get this out of the way. Angels claimed that they were the creators of this matter. A pure God did not have direct communication with a sinful man, but communicated with him through a chain of intermediary angels who formed, as it were, a ladder from earth to heaven. <laughs> this is Paul's prayer for the church in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you, God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you, here is where he calls it, spiritual wisdom. Not just wisdom, but spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10. Then the, then the way you live, I mean, I could just stop there, right? He gives you complete knowledge, spiritual wisdom, understanding, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He, was, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Live in the light. So we've connected wisdom to something spiritual that is given by God, and now he's incorporated light into understanding and wisdom. Paul is praying that God would give them knowledge and spiritual wisdom. This is where it comes from. It comes from God. We can't gather that on our own. There isn't a book in the library. There isn't anything, right? We can, gather, we can even gather knowledge from here. It doesn't mean that you have wisdom. 
We've, I've met people like that. Once we rely on God for knowledge and spiritual wisdom and not our own knowledge and wisdom, then we will live lives that produce every kind of good fruit, as it said. We will be filled with joy and we will share in the inheritance that belongs to us who live in the light. It's, it almost seems like we have to be those that are dependent upon God and his wisdom. It's like we want to be independent. I don't want to be independent. I want to be dependent on God. So if he gives me faith, he gives me wisdom, he gives me knowledge, right? Even though I have to do my part, which we're going to see in just a moment. But if it comes from him, then I become someone who is dependent upon God. That keeps me from, from walking around thinking that I'm the guy that knows it all, right? That keeps me from walking around thinking that I have all wisdom, I have all knowledge, and I don't need him or his word anymore. That is very, very dangerous. I believe there's going to be those false prophets that rise up in the end days, and they're the, going to be the ones that say that they know it all. We still have, we already have a few across our, our world that have uh, ro- risen up and said that they know, they know, they know. Proverbs 20, 27. Do you know those, those ones that, that have done that? I'm sorry, I, uh, uh, little ADD there. Um, the, the, they have risen up and they say that they have some kind of prophetic gifting that they gathered on their own by knowledge or science or whatever you want to say, and that they put a computer. One guy even put a computer together that knows when the end of time is. You know how many times they've been wrong? Every single time. You know why? No man knows. It could be right now. Are you ready? No man knows. No man knows. I was listening to somebody the other day. I don't know why this just came in my head, but I was sharing it earlier. You know what the leading cause of uh, death is all over the world? The leading cause of death. Birth. (laughs) Not true? Everyone who's born. That's right. The leading cause of death is birth. But wisdom says, no, let's, let's statistically, let's, uh, let's understand this and understand that and let's, and let's create books about it, and they, right? And they fill libraries with this kind of knowledge. When God said, this is very simple. You live on this earth, you're born of water, then you're born of the Spirit, and once you're born of the Spirit, you never die again. It's simple. To me, it's simple. Then what do you do? You transition from this world to that one. Forever. Come on. I, I, that's pretty simple, don't you think? But there are plenty of books out there that will contradict everything I just said. And explain it in such a way that it will make you go, ooh, wow. Right? Itching ears. Proverbs twenty twenty seven. The spirit of man is the, remember we talked about light. So we talked about wisdom being given to you, Right? Wisdom being given by God. Now we're talking about how it's spiritual, and now we're talking about how it's a light. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Look at Proverbs 20, 27 in the Amplified Version. The spirit of man, the factor in human personality which proceeds immediately from God, (laughs) is the lamp. Everybody say lamp. Of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. Lamp in the Hebrew simply means lamp. <laughs> pretty good, right? I feel pretty wise right now. <clears throat> but the root word of lamp comes from the meaning to mean freshly tilled ground, revealing what is beneath the surface. So, yes, lamp kind of reveals what's in the room. It reveals, but the word in Hebrew actually means to reveal what's under the surface because the lamp can only reveal what's in the room. You can't see what's outside. You can't see what's under the carpet. But in this word, it actually means it reveals what's under the surface. So God uses our spirit, our lamp, to enlighten or reveal and guide us. A weak spirit or lamp is like a GPS that will give you coordinates for up to three blocks away only. 
What good is that, right? Because you're not strong enough in your spirit. Your GPS does not gather enough information, right? Enough uh, wisdom and knowledge. Freshly tilled ground means that once the word or the seed of God reaches our hearts, it will fall on good ground and bear much fruit. So your spiritual wisdom can be educated just like the mind can be educated. Your spiritual wisdom can be strengthened just like your body can be strengthened. So I'm going to give you a workout regimen to strengthen your spiritual wisdom. Okay, So we know wisdom is much like faith. You've been given a measure of it. It comes from God. And then what do you do? You strengthen that wisdom by what? Having a strong spiritual relationship with God. Four rules to train and develop your spiritual wisdom. Most of these have to do with the Word of God. Meditate on the Word. We must realize that the value of God's word and the value of meditation in the word. You cannot receive spiritual wisdom without meditating on the word. Or can I use the word maturing? Remember what we talked about before? He gives wisdom to the mature. And who are the mature? Not just those that read the word and know the word, but those that do the word, right? They are a living example of the word. Right after Moses died, uh, died, God was preparing or maturing Joshua for the promised land, and he says this. Look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in, everybody say in, in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. See, your knowledge is in the book, not in the book being in your, in your brain. You understand what I'm saying, right? The knowledge is in here and becomes part of this. But you try to get this in here, it doesn't, you, you just gather knowledge. And a lot of us can gather knowledge. Like I said, I've met many people that can quote Scripture back and forth, right? But their lives are a mess because they're not doing what they know. Tony Evans, how many of you know who that is? He's on the radio. Um, uh, I listened to some of his stuff. And uh, he, when he first got saved, he was radical. Uh, I don't know if he's still Baptist, but he, was, he got saved in a Baptist church. And uh, he read through the Bible like three times. And he was just going, Arr! he was just eating it up, right? And then he went to his pastor. And he told him, Pastor, I read this and I learned this. And I watched this and this and the other. And what do you think about this? And look at what I learned here. And the pastor, <coughs> the pastor stopped him and said, listen. What I need you to do is stop reading. He was like, what? He goes, yeah. When you're doing, catches up to your knowing, then you can keep reading. And he got all mad at the pastor and thought that he was ignorant because, you know, he didn't know as much as he did. And, you know, because Tony Evans is extremely intelligent. He went home and prayed about it. He introduced the spiritual. (laughs) And God showed him. He's right. You're not doing. And he goes, he began to apply these principles that he was learning in the Bible to his own life. He began to live out these things in his marriage, in his finances, in his uh, church life, in serving God. He began to, because he wasn't doing any of these things. He was just gathering, 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 and he wasn't doing anything. And it wasn't helping him. It was actually separating him from God. Can you imagine that? Knowing the Bible so much that it separates you from God. So he says, the book of the law, do not depart it. Don't let it depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it. Joshua 1.8 in the Amplified Version says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good, have good success in it, and on it. it takes both right because in the amplified he changes the word from in it to on it meditation is discourse and or contemplation until the author is thoroughly understood we think meditation oh that's not meditation the word meditation when it's used in the bible it it it's uh it references sometimes you've heard other preachers reference uh how a cow uh has 
four stomachs. Arlen, I learned this the other day. And tell me, he, he's, he's a vet of large animals, so he'll tell me if I'm wrong. And I'm okay. You can correct me here in front of everybody. You'll just have to delete it from the video, okay? But <laughs> the stomach is actually like a, like a file, like a file folder, right? It's not, I always thought it was like one stomach, two stomachs, right? It's one big organ, and then there's four Five, right? Is that right? Did I get that right? Right. So the food or whatever, the grass it's eaten goes into one and then he regurgitates it. And then it goes into the other and he regurgitates it, right? That's compared to meditation. You take it and you, oh, I gathered this. Oh, but let me, let me continue to. Oh, let, let me chew on this a little bit longer. Okay, wait a minute. And in Bible school, one of the things they teach you about any type of doctrine is, is it has to stand on four legs. You can't take one scripture, pull it out, and create a doctrine. You have to support that one scripture with three others. Because you have to, a table will, will, is stronger with what? With four legs. I'll never forget this in, in Bible school, uh, Doug Jones. Uh, him and I uh, were always joking back and forth, but it got to the point where we were angry at each other. But um, I'll tell you what I said to him. It wasn't very nice. And I've grown. I've matured since then. But uh, he was trying to lose weight. He's a, he's a big guy. He was trying to lose weight, and he said, uh, uh, oh, I, I went by the box of donuts this morning, and I didn't eat one. So I told him, so what'd you do? Are you wearing it? <laughs> right? Are you wearing the donut or something? I said something like that in front of the whole class. So anyway, that day we were learning about having Scripture that stands on four legs, and he needed a volunteer. Well, I was voluntold to stand up and stand on one leg, and he shoved me. He, 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 oh, yeah, he enjoyed that very, very much. <clears throat> and he's like, he's over six feet tall, and he's, he's a big filler. So he says, stand on two legs, and he shoved me again. I lost my balance, right? And he goes, okay, get down on three. So I have one knee, two hands, and I picked up this leg, and he shoved me, and I rolled over on the ground. And then he goes, okay, now get on all fours. I got on all fours, and he pushed and pushed and pushed, and I wouldn't fall over. And he was using that as an example, but I, I think he was just enjoying pushing me around. <laughs> I told him, I say, I'm one of those. You either love me or you hate me, and he was kind of in between. I never found one of those like that. But uh, no, we're, we're, we're in good standings. Doug Jones, he checks on me all the time. But um, so we have to have four. To, so if you take one scripture and you run with it, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. You have to have, right? You have to have the four, the meditation. Chew and chew again. <clears throat> oh, the, the definition for meditation also ends with to murmur or to muse. Like what you do in front of a painting. Wow. And then 10 minutes later, wow, I see something different there. And then an hour later, wow, look at the strokes. on the, I didn't see that. And three hours later, oh, wow, look at that. I can't do that because the painting just sits still and I'm used to TV. So uh, I, it doesn't, it doesn't. But there are people who do that. There are people who sit there and they muse. They look at a, at a painting and they can start to see. That's what it means to begin, right? And then it ends with the things that make you go, ah. <laughs> ah, I see it now. I get it now. I understand it now. Do you know what the first noise you're going to hear whenever, when, when Jesus comes for his people and we all go to heaven? Oh! Ah! Because we're going to understand all things. Those things that we can't explain. If somebody can tell you, I can explain everything here on earth. No, they can't. No, they can't. Right? Things happen. You say, why did this happen? Sometimes the answer is, I don't know. But I trust him. He's still sitting on his throne. His word is still true. Doesn't change anything. Right? If you want to read more about uh, uh, meditating on the word, you can read Psalm 77, Psalm 119, Psalm 143, and Psalms 145. 1 Timothy 4, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. These are all actions. These are all things that you live. These are not things that you know. In conduct, your behavior, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come, 
Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So yes, you need to read and you need to uh, uh, learn doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the leadership, of the eldership. 15. Meditate. There's that word again. On these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself, to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will uh, save both yourself and those who hear you. When you're, when, when, and, and I got to be careful here because I'm preaching to you right now, but when somebody comes and goes to teach you the word, like we, we've got, we've got uh, men and women right now that are teaching the word in our Sunday school class back there. I encourage you, if you haven't joined them yet, to, to be a part of that, uh, 9.30 to 10.15 every Sunday morning. Uh, uh, I think all of them are Karis uh, graduates or in Karis that are, that are currently teaching. And, you know, if you see them back there, and, and we carefully chose these people because they live a certain way. It's just like eldership. When we choose somebody for eldership, we see something that they're already doing. We don't go to them and say, hey, do you want to be an elder? you got to change this, change that, change the other. No, because that's, that's not coming from your heart. But they're already living that. It's different than telling them this is what you got to do to become this. That's why these types of positions are given by laying on of hands. They're given by prophecy. Whenever we set somebody in, that's how we do it. We call in my pastors, and they lay hands, and they do it by prophecy. Continue. And these are people who continue in them. We need to see that the word that's being preached is also being lived by the person that is preaching it. That is our problem in the Christian church across every denomination. You choose a denomination, and you could choose something that somebody did, a leader did, a, a, a pope did, or, or you know, some Catholic priest, or, or some Baptist leader, or the, 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 you know, the, the international Christian pastor of the whole world you know, fell. And, and you know, those are the things that everybody knows, and they're, everybody hears, because they're preaching, but they're not doing. Do we get it right every time? No. Here's, here's one. I'm going to give you this, and i got to keep going. Many, I was going to ask you, but I'm just going to say it. Many think that because of our position, the fivefold ministry position, we have a higher standard to live by. That's not true. We all have a higher standard to live by. That does not mean that I have to live according to the word, which I do. I'm not negating that I don't. I do, but that does not keep you from having to live the same life. Because we are so easy to point and say, look at what the pastor did, look at what the prophet did, look at what the teacher did, look at, right, look at what the leader did. They didn't say this, they didn't say that, they mistreated me, they walked past me, they didn't say hello, right? Look, look, look. But then you're not living it either. What have you done for me lately? Dun, 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 right? Remember that, that your standard of living, that the pastor's standard of living is also your standard of living. Number two, practice the word. This basically means to be a doer of the word. James chapter 1, verses 16 through 25. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights which is also a derivative of the word lamp okay comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning this is a light that doesn't even cast a shadow because if if you were to say there's a there's a, a knowledge that comes from wisdom which is light but there's a shadow then there's something else right there's something else there that could be no 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 this is a light that doesn't cast a shadow it is truth all the way from beginning to end uh, 18, of his own will be brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits of his creatures. He just called us creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. These are all actions. 
For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. (laughs) For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You know what you look like, don't you? But he who, likes, who looks into a perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now, there have been many, many explanations of the man in the mirror. I have a book back there called The Man in the Mirror and about walking away from the mirror. And there's, I'm not saying that any of those teachings are wrong. But it appears to me that in the context here, what he's saying is maintain your face in the mirror. So you always look like, right? So you always know what you look like. So it's not like you look in the mirror and you walk away. You ever ever have one of those days and then you look at yourself in the mirror and you realize everybody's been looking at that all day long. My eyebrows were stuck together, right? I had all these wrinkles around my mouth because I was like, the whole, I was like that the whole day. Everybody was looking at that. You know, your face reveals a lot. Yeah. What's on your face? Your eyes. They're the windows of the soul, according to Scripture, right? Your face reveals a lot. What he's saying is, according to use the word as a mirror. Continue to look at yourself compared to this. Always look at yourself compared to this. What is the reflection that's coming back? Does it fit this? Is the mirror, do you ever look in the mirror and go, who's that? No, because you know, you know who you are. I would hope that one day the word changes you so much you go, wow, look at that. Man, you good looking, don't you ever change. I used to say that to myself in the mirror. Then I didn't have to say it anymore because I knew it. But what good would it be to learn and know from memory what, what exercise does, Right? What muscle it works out, right? You can learn. Anybody can. You can get books. You can go to personal training classes. You can go. I when I used to work out, you can go to Planet Fitness and go to the machines and you read on the side of the machines what muscle it works out, how to do it right, where what you know how to do it right. You ever seen these videos online where these guys jump around and they do crazy stuff, right? I'm thinking they're gonna hurt themselves. You could know all of that, but if you don't do it. Right? Now, who would hire an extremely overweight personal trainer? I'm not picking on overweight people because I'm overweight. You wouldn't because you're trying to get like them. All right, do 10 more as he eats a donut. Right? (laughs) Or he's holding a bucket of chicken. Right? You got to do 10 more. Come on. And he's breathing hard just from eating. (laughs) The other day, I went up and down a ladder. By the time I got done, I was like, okay, I think I need to go work out, man. Right? You wouldn't hire that, even no matter how much knowledge they had, how much they knew about muscles, body, training, weights. It didn't matter how much they knew. You would look at them and say, are they applying what they know to their own life? I want that guy. I want that guy. Right? That doesn't have to suck in his gut like I'm doing right now. Right? I want that guy. I want Dwayne The Rock Johnson to be my trainer. I can do what he does. The pex pop, is that what he calls it? So what good would it be to quote all kinds of scripture, have biblical answers to every dilemma, and not be living an example of what you are quoting? See, that's where we take the doctrine of confession to a whole nother level if we just say just say just say no you say because you're living it out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks what happens is we're talking out of our i was going to say something else but i'm pointing up here (laughs) i pointed up here not to say right not to point somewhere else we're talking out of our head instead of our hearts So your confession means nothing, even if it's the biblical word of God. 
But it has to be what? Something that you're living. Something that is part of who you are. It becomes wisdom. I've seen some really wise men. A few of them had an education and a few of them didn't. And they were just as wise as the other. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with education. But never ever put it before the wisdom of God. Build your house on the rock. Matthew 7, 24 through 25, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, whoever hears this saying of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise guy, right? You, you almost see him. He's like in a, in a track suit with gold chains out here, right? To a wise man who built. I got family, you know. Uh, I liken to a wise man who built his house. That's my, my mind goes there. When you say wise guy, it's like, would you like I should make him dead? I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Do you know how to, how to uh, uh, recognize a wise person who's living the Word of God? You watch him in the midst of the storm. Watch him in the midst of the storm. Are they still standing when it's over? <clears throat> there may be some shingles missing, may blow out a window, but the house is still standing. And then you have those that are, right? And they can talk and they can preach. And some of them are a hundred times better preacher than I ever was or am, right? And they can, woohoo, right? And the storm comes and where'd they go? What happened to them? Giving the word first place. Man, I got to move. Number three, giving the word first place. The training, development, and education of your spiritual wisdom comes by giving the word of God first place in your life. Right? I have another saying I like to say, pray first. Right? Go to the word first. <clears throat> Proverbs 4, 20-22, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Uh, the same scripture in the Amplified says, My son, attend to my words, consent and submit to my sayings. I love that. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all of their flesh. The word attend or attention here is to give heed, to give careful consideration to consider first. What do we do first? Whatever you put first is what takes preeminence in your life. You know if God is number, God's my number one, Jesus is number one in my life. Well, wait, when the storm comes, what do you do first? That's how you know, right? When Amos comes to pinch your fig, <laughs> I can't even go there. Pastor Franken preached that one time. Right? When somebody pokes you, what comes out? Because on the outside, man, there's a knowledgeable man of God that knows the Bible back and forth, can pray prayers that are so extremely eloquent, and woo man, that guy can pray. What happens when you poke? What happens when things go bad? What happens when, right? What happens then? Do they go first to that? Or do they run to something else? So they run to natural, to natural knowledge. See, the word attend here means to consider first. Whatever you put first gives you preeminence in your life. The woman with the issue of blood. I'm not going to read it, but it's in Luke 8, 43 through 44. What did she do first? She went to all the doctors, spent all her money. Spent, what, 12 years, right? What did she do first? And it's okay. We've done that. We did that with one of our children. They had a tumor. We prayed first. And I think God, God knew exactly what he was doing because we were, when God called us into the ministry and we went to Ramah, went to Oklahoma, you know, we went to prepare for what we're doing right now. And, and just going to, to Bible school doesn't make you, right? It's, it's by the laying on of hands and by prophecy, right? Somebody, somebody had prophesied over us and then there was hands laid on. There was an anointing put upon us. Just, you know, I see some of these kids go to Bible school and they're, I'm going to be a pastor. I was like, did you decide that? Because if you did, you're in trouble. You got to let God chose. God chooses these people. 
right? He chooses them out to do this, this work. And so we were there, and I know that the timing was perfect because when we were there, we find out something that could have taken the life of one of our children. And what did we do first? Why did we do this first? We did it first because we were in the midst of the word of faith five days a week, four hours a day. Can you imagine? You receive word here and you leave with it and it changes your life and you do good and you read some at home. But imagine being under the anointed word of faith five days a week, four hours a day. I was walking on water. It was like, wow. Some of you who are attending Karis understand what I'm talking about. Constantly in the word, constantly in the word. And when we found out, the first thing we did was we laid hands on her. And then we did what the woman with the issue of blood did. We did everything else that we could. And at the end of it all, some of you know this testimony, the last doctor, the best uh, pediatric neurologist in the world, two French brothers in the world told us, there's nothing else man can do. It cannot be removed. It's in a place. There's nothing else we can do. And I smiled. I could not, if I was not in the word at that time, I don't know, I think my life would have fell apart. You would have seen my house fall in the midst of the storm. But because we were standing on the word, I remember grinning a little bit. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He goes, do you understand what I just said to you? I said, yes. Man has done everything he can do. God will take it from here. And we went back. We got another MRI. And another, uh, a few weeks later, we got an MRI. And I know that uh, the, my wife will probably correct the story. But the gist of it is there. And, and, and everything was gone. And the doctor said, oh, she's an airhead. Whatever was there is gone. We don't know how. That's a, she had a little air pocket where, the, where it was. And it was completely gone. And she's been healed ever since. But you got to be ready for the storm. you got to be living this, right? The woman with the issue of blood finally at the last minute. She reached. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Number four, instantly obey the voice of the Spirit. Listen, if you're not hearing God in your spirit, you, you got you to up your game. You're going to have to start praying more and seeking God more because this is not reserved for the pastors and prophets. And Yeah, it, the prophets, they have a way of, of connecting that brings the Word of God out in, into the people. And you have to, by faith, receive it, right? But God speaks to everyone. He's always speaking. Then why doesn't he speak out of a cloud like he did with Abraham? Why doesn't the voice come out of heaven? Because he's always talking. We have his word with us all the time. They didn't have his word with them all the time. He's always speaking. Always. And we got to learn to be those that instantly obey. The human spirit has a voice. We call that voice your conscience. Sometimes we call it intuition, the inner voice, guidance. The world calls it a hunch or a gut feeling. Notice how I went under the heart? It's not a gut, it's a heart thing. <laughs> what it is, is your spiritual wisdom speaking to you. Proverbs 20, 27, remember? The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. See, the spirit, the spirit of man is God's all-access pass to your soul. Before you were born again, your spirit was dead. While it was dead, we did things that were sinful, and we didn't care. I don't know if you remember those days, but I do. I didn't have conviction. Party all night and do it again tomorrow. I didn't cry about it. I didn't ask anybody to forgive me. I could tell you stories that I, I need... I probably need to go back to that McDonald's there in Hialeah and ask them to forgive me. I did some crazy things. I don't know why we always did it at that McDonald's, but okay, I didn't go to jail. Thank you, Lord, for protecting me. I didn't have a conscience. Nowadays, whew, if I did any of those things, I think I'd, I'd, I'd break down. 
I'd be crying and asking God to forgive me and going back to all the people I offended and, and asking them to forgive me because now I have a spirit that's alive and living inside of me. And that wisdom that the spirit gives me says, no, you don't do those things. How many of you have done something that you know your conscience or your spirit told you not to do? You did it anyway and the outcome was horrible. You followed your soul, you followed your flesh, you followed your, I want to, ooh, they love me. The Lord told me to marry this person. I got to keep going because I'm going to, if I haven't already, I'm going to offend somebody. The Lord told me this, once they say that to me, I have no say so. Don't come for my opinion. Don't come ask your pastor what we think. The minute you say the Lord told you, you're on your own. We'll be there to pick up the pieces on the other side. Because I am not going to go against what you think God told you. Now, if you're coming to get spiritual wisdom from us, and we're not, you know, we don't have it all together. We don't figure it all out. We don't, if we don't do something we don't know, we'll figure it out for you. And if we can't, we'll send you to somebody that can. That's our job, to care for the sheep. Not to know it all. Don't put that on us. It's not fair. But if you come to us and you want help, spiritual help, prayer, our our biblical guidance on what you think you should do with that situation, then hear us out. But the minute you say, God told me, better make sure it's God. Because then we see it on the other side. I was like, I thought God told you. I don't ever say that. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo, I told you. Yeah, we can't do that. That doesn't help us help them. So while your spirit was dead, we did things that were sinful and did not think twice about it. No conviction, no remorse. Nothing led to repentance. We may have been taught not to hurt others, to have manners, right? I was always taught to hold the door open for women, to, you know, to have manners and, and to be polite, right? Uh, These things, uh, although good and right, were part of our natural man that was trained to behave this way. We were still able to tell a little lie here and there, a white lie or a fib, right? And move on with life as nothing. We were able to feed the flesh and soul without hesitation. Now, the the spiritual wisdom is inside of you, screaming and yelling (laughs) when you do something against the will of God. How many of you experienced that? One day you're okay, everything's fine, you're just living your life. The next day you give your life to the Lord and all of a sudden there's this voice, this thing inside of you and you do something that you did yesterday before your spirit came alive inside of you and all of a sudden it doesn't give you the pleasure that it gave you before. All of a sudden it gives you this conviction of don't do that. It's a spirit of wisdom, spirit of wisdom speaking inside of you it's screaming and yelling whether you listen or not it's completely up to you on your notes you have john 3 1 through 8 which is the the interaction between nicodemus uh, and jesus about being born again second corinthians five seventeen. therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation old things have passed away behold all things have become new Right? The Spirit of God comes inside of you and brings this level of wisdom, spiritual wisdom. It's a light unto your path, right? So um, your conscience is the voice of your spirit, and the voice of your spirit can become the voice of God speaking inside of you. God uses your spirit to enlighten you and to guide you, right? You have to listen, though. You have to be able to listen. Wise people listen. The wisest man in the world once said, I know nothing. Do you know what wise, one of the greatest characteristics of a wise person is they are trainable and teachable. Not boastful about how much they know. A wise person is always gathering. How much more can I learn about this? How much more can I apply this to my life? Is there something? And, and, and when they have something they believe is truth, they're willing to let somebody else that's wiser than them come in and say, this is not completely true. That's happened to me too. I remember the day that I really understood tithes and offerings. 
I did it out of obedience, and I did it for many years. Oh, it's going to come back to me. Oh, God's going to bless me, the windows of heaven. Oh, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to have I'm buy a Mercedes. I'm going to buy a bigger boat. I'm going to, oh, a bigger house. And then one day the Lord says, would you give to me even if none of these things happened? Changed everything. And somebody else came to me and says, yes, God wants to prosper you. Yes, God wants to give you good things. But your motive for giving is wrong. Yeah. And that day I changed my heart and I changed why I tithe and why I give my offering unto God, whether he does something for me or not. Amen. The good thing is there's a promise that he does. Let's end with this. We're going to end with this scripture. Romans 8, chapter 5 through 15. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds, right, on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Remember, Spirit, wisdom, that's how you get wisdom. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It almost seems like it's saying... Gather, all the knowledge you've gathered in your head is going against God. And I've seen that before, where somebody gathers a lot of Scripture in their mind and it hurts their relationship with God because of how much they think they know. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells inside of you. Now, in anyone, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit of life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead <laughs> dwells inside of you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells inside of you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I want to live, Lord. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God led by the spirit of god these are sons of god for you did not receive the spirit of bondage against again to fear but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out abba father listen to your daddy he knows best yes. i could have just said that we're going to talk about wisdom today listen to your daddy he knows best Thank you. Amen. Everybody can go home. Some of you are going, why didn't you just do that? And we could have been eating already. Because we're gathering knowledge that's going to help us with the wisdom that's already been given. Your knowledge is worth nothing if it's not taken in through the wisdom or the lamp of God. He reveals what he is saying who better to tell you what he means than the one who's saying it but what do we want to do we want to read something and say this is what he really means and i've i've said that and my whole my own spirit jumped inside of me and said wait a minute who are you sometimes we want to interpret and we do we you know the bible's been interpreted seven times before it got to the english language there's something missing in there you can't interpret that many times, right? Amen. Without it. So, yeah, sometimes you have to study it out and study out words and, and find out what the writer really means. But don't take the original writing of what he meant and try to turn it and say, this is what he means. According to who? To you? To me? No, according to him. That's why when there's a revelation, if God gives me a revelation of the word, he'll give it to others. But if somebody gets a revelation of the word and they say they're the only ones that have it, what is, what is my recommendation? Run. Run! Get away from that person. They're leading you down the wrong path because God does not do that. He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't have a, oh, let me reveal this to one man. 
That's not how that works. It was given to all. It was given to all. Given to all. Lord, I just pray right now that your spiritual wisdom, the lamp that lives inside of us, Lord, would reveal to us those areas in our life, Lord, that need to be adjusted. I just pray, Father, that as the storm comes, and it will come, Lord, that our house will be built on a rock because we are doers of the word and not just hearers, Lord. Help us to not be those that just get their ears tickled because they hear something new and something better and something exciting, Lord. Sometimes, Lord, your word is not exciting like we want it to be or dramatic like we want it to be, Lord, but it is exactly what we need to hear, Father. So, Lord, we surrender ourselves unto you because that's what wisdom is, Lord, to allow the lamp of your word, the spirit of wisdom to come inside our hearts, Lord, that is already alive and to guide us and for us to be able to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. There's no argument here, Father, between you and I, and between you and us, Lord. There's no argument, whatever you say. And we know when it's you because it is according to your word that is a light and a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Direct us and lead us. Give us wisdom as we end this year and head into 2023, Lord. Give us wisdom. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.